all this is dope. Like doing what you do is dope. Doing what I do is dope. But if you're not happy at the end of the day, none of this shit matters. Yep. You know what I'm saying? So work hard as hell. Go after what you want, but don't ever let it take away your happiness. Realize you're blessed. Realize that this life is is the most valuable thing. You know, your time is the most valuable thing. So don't get so down on yourself and don't get depressed over trying to make your dream come true. Like work hard, but realize you're blessed. What's going on everyone? Casey Adams here. Welcome back to the Rise of the Young podcast. On today's episode, I am excited to have my brother Futuristic. Yes, sir. Thanks so much for coming on the show, man. Yes, sir. So so first things first, I want to say that I've been listening to your music for years now and you've been in the game for quite some time and I absolutely love everything you're about from an independent artist perspective and I'm really excited to just dive into your story because I know we got connected through Nolan who uh, works with Super Duper Kyle and it was one of those things where he calls me up from a podcast he heard with me and my boy Charlie and he was like yo you got to meet my buddy Futuristic I'm like dude I've been listening to him for a minute so he put us in touch and we linked up the other day and I just wanted to say definitely appreciate you having on the, coming on the show man yes sir appreciate you for actually coming to my spot <laughs> for definitely sure man making so, it I mean, easy on me really to, to just really kick it off man like when did you get into the music scene? Like, where did this start? And because I, I want to just like preface the conversation before we get into it, because I, yeah. you know, a lot of maybe young people are listening today and they want to get into music. They see themselves or where they're like, you know, this is a dream. How do I do this? What do I start? But for you, where did music come into your life? Uh, from the time I was a young kid, um, I really started writing raps when I was like six years old. Um, my older brother rapped. He was he was probably like nine at the time. Uh, and we just started writing raps. My dad was a drummer, bass player, guitar player, um, DJ. So like, it just happened naturally. He was always he had bands over. His his band would have rehearsal in our basement, and I'd be on the mic rapping. Okay. And just like it stemmed from that, you know. And my whole yeah. family was just in music. So from the time I was six years old, it was like what I, you know, was was ready to do what I wanted to do. Yep. So where are you from exactly? Bloomington, Illinois. Illinois. Yeah. How was it over there? Uh. Way different than Arizona for sure, but okay. uh, but dope. Yeah, it was dope. Okay. Yeah. Growing up, like, did you have brothers, sisters? What was what was the family dynamic? Because I just want to more so get into like the the childhood aspect of like yeah. where you're from, Illinois. When you went to school, like, how was that scene growing yeah, up? Yeah, it was. Um, I, I'm one of nine, so okay. like, but all from kind of like my dad was out there doing his thing. So you know, it's like one of my brothers came every other weekend then my other brothers two brothers came for the summers and sometimes christmas then my sister came the opposite weekends of my other brother and then i had one brother that lived my only full brother lived with me full time like so it was just like crazy and then my parents yeah. split and my dad had three more so it was just like then i would be seeing them type, same type of situation like yep. every other weekend type thing so we've never all been in the same room at once but uh okay we're all still close and we all have like our separate relationships and it's it's dope. It's cool because it was like up. I was the only child for a little, and then I but I was still like one of nine, but like yeah, still yeah. kind of the only child. It's weird. It's a weird dynamic, but it's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like when you were in high school, elementary school, middle school, yeah. when did music come into your life where you like were like, hey, this could be something, you know? Because I think nowadays, you know, you hear there's so many different careers to get into, and some people may say, you know, be realistic, right? Yeah. And I'm yeah. sure you heard things like that coming up, but when was that moment where you were like, yo, I'm going to pursue music, and this is going to be my career? It's crazy because it was literally from when I was six. Like, I would go to my dad's crib, okay. and I would record whole albums every weekend I was there. And then I would go to school, and I would literally walk the lunch line and sell those albums. Like, 
five like okay, okay this I was, is like seven years old yeah like i knew who wasn't getting the free lunch who was like actually buying the meals and stuff yeah so then i was uh oh speaking of family and my sister walking into the room what's going on <laughs> welcome but um you know i would just walk the lunch line and be like okay he's got some money he's paying for the like the a la carte items no you're gonna buy my album yeah and so it was like every week i come back to school with new music okay. whether it be five songs ten songs It'd be, oh, my new album. You know, yep. get it. This is what it's called. Okay. And so it was my plan my whole life. Okay. So yeah. you just knew what, what that looked like. Yeah. So when did it become something like, for example, I know with social media nowadays, right? Yeah. You have a massive brand on there. That's how a lot of artists are blowing up nowadays. What was that pivot point for you where it's maybe the first song or the first album you dropped where you're mm-hmm. like, yo, this is something I want to ride with and I know I can actually get a lot of not only streams, but really just utilize this as a foundation for your career. Like what was that song for you? Yeah, or that album? Um, back in the day, like when I was coming up, there wasn't even streaming sites yet, you know, so it was different. Like the, the industry kind of ran on blogs. So I was getting on these blogs, like blogs like um, it was like Bro Bible Complex, Two yep. Dope Boys. Um, good music all day was the biggest one. Yep. So um, I think that was like the first time I realized I didn't even know what independent music was, to be honest. Like I didn't understand it. I didn't know. I just shot videos with my homie and we would just put them out. One got picked up by blogs and that's when I realized, oh, you can get fans from getting on different platforms. Then my mind just went crazy on yeah. trying to get on every platform in the world. Like YouTube, how, how people were getting on all these different things. So I got on a blog called Good Music All Day, and it was like my video went from like 5,000 views to like 25,000 in a day. And then it went up to like 40,000 the next day. Yep. And then so I'm like, who owns this blog? I need to get in touch with them because I need to be on here every time. Then from them, I found all these other blogs. And that was when I realized like, okay, this is a business. This is a grind. This is something I have to do. I have to find every platform and get on it, period. So And that was in 2012 okay. with a song called Fuck You Mean. Okay, got yeah. it. So for people that just heard that, when you say independent artist, maybe someone just listened to this right now and they're like, what does that mean? So what's your definition of being an independent artist? Um, an independent artist is somebody who is not backed by a label, somebody who, I guess nowadays you could call them well, a lot of YouTube rappers, but just some somebody that's not backed by a label, somebody that doesn't have outside funding from a label and is doing it on their own. I yeah, mean, yeah. nowadays you can put other people into place to where you kind of run your own label structure. Yep. But like even with me, like I'm doing everything independently. I'm yeah. not backed by anything. My money is my money that I put into it. Yep. I do my thing independently, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. When, if you were to speak to like young artists today, yeah. what advice do you give to them if they're either A, thinking about getting a record deal or mm-hmm. being independent, what's the line there and pros and cons? Like, What, what would you say to that? Um, I think anybody listening, the most important thing in life in general is your happiness. So I think that when you're thinking about your career, you have to think about what makes you happy, right? So if your yep. goal is to be the biggest artist in the world, it's literally impossible to do that independently. Period. Yeah. It, it is. Like, you can't be the biggest artist in the world independently. It's You can be pretty big, but you're not going to be Drake independent. It just yeah. doesn't happen. So if your goal is to be Drake big, Justin Bieber big, Post Malone big, you have to sign. So mm-hmm. you got to think of that. If you want to just make a living off music, support your family, support your friends, support yourself, and live a great life, and you want to be able to do whatever you want, whenever you want, yep. being independent is probably the route for you. And then... Also, even if you do want to be super big, you just have to gain yourself some leverage before you go into that deal and get fucked over. Yeah. And you have to look over the deal and you have to 
know the ins and outs of it and not just sign the first thing that comes to you because you want to be famous. That makes sense. You know? So, who was some of your inspirations coming up? Um, If we start all the way back, like, growing up, originally, it was like, Will Smith was the first rapper I listened to because he didn't okay. <laughs> And then it was like, Ludacris, Eminem, Busta Rhymes, um, Nelly, all like animated, hyper musicians, yeah. you know? And then it turned into like, as I got older, it was like, um, Lil Wayne and then Childish Gambino. I would say okay. those seven people really like formed my sound and like those were the people that I looked up to musically. Okay. Yeah. That's what's up. And yeah. I know when we were talking the other day, um, through Nolan connected us, right? And we we're talking yeah. about Kyle and how yeah. you guys came up together. Like, yeah. what was, because nowadays, like yourself and all these people that you're associated with, like you guys are massive, big influences on culture and just as artists. So, yeah. When you were coming up with these people like Kyle, like what was what was the dynamic between just everyone's energy? Because I, I love to hear it from a sense of like you know every, every winner wants to see other people win, right? Like yeah. so, what was the group dynamic of just with your team and with your just crew coming up? You know, because y'all I'm sure all had the same ambitions and goals. Yeah. But how 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 did that look like over that time period of? It was kind of crazy. Like we kind of had a crew through my videographer Jacob Owens. Um, Jacob Owens, me and him went to high school together, so his first vi video he ever shot was for me. Okay. And um. Then he shot a video for this cat, Samson, who recorded at my studio. Uh, not not my, the same studio I recorded at. Yeah, yeah. So linked Jake with Samson. Then Samson was from Ventura, where Kyle's from, and Nolan is from. So then Nolan saw Samson, and then that, it just like, it just was like this weird domino effect, and yeah. then that led to Kyle. And then we, like, we found Kyle and Nolan both lived in Ventura, so then they started working together. But like... We did a song together called No Budget, which was, it's like me, Kyle, this guy DY, this guy SK4MC, D Fields, and Mr. Man. It was six of us. And like, when we were filming all that together, it felt like we were a group. Like, it okay. felt like, it felt right, you yeah. know? Because we all were coming up, we all were like, at different levels, but like, yeah. all coming up. And we sat down actually at Nolan's crib, Nolan's parents' crib, okay. and talked about forming a group. And even started like trying to book a tour with all of us and like okay. but then it was kind of like Kyle popped over here I popped a little bit over here and it was just like the group thing kind of didn't didn't work yeah it wasn't we weren't a group everybody okay. had like you know everybody has their own agenda a little bit you yeah. know and we, and we all we were never a group we were just independent artists that all had the same videographer and all had like the same ambition like you're saying yeah. so but yeah it just felt it felt dope all of us <laughs> being around each other and just working and grinding yeah. and like it felt almost like an odd future type situation. Yeah, yeah, back then. That's what's up. what year was that when like that was all that happening? Two thousand eleven and twelve. Okay. Yeah, probably to two thousand eleven and two thousand twelve. In that time of like two thousand eleven, two thousand twelve, because people listening today, majority of the audience, they're usually eighteen to twenty four. Like myself, I'm nineteen, right? So two thousand eleven, right. I'm eleven, right? That's so crazy. if you're if you're thinking if you're thinking in terms of like how you looked at the the industry then versus oh, now like what would you different. say has changed everything everything's changed you talking about 2011 2012 <laughs> people were still buying albums like nope. itunes was big you were getting music on itunes there was no streaming there was no spotify there was no apple music pandora was just kind of coming around like yep. the That's getting crazy popular about. yeah so like that was the the streaming was pandora yeah um, and then, like I said, blogs kind of controlled the internet the way that, like, like the music scene, the way now, like, a lyrical lemonade would. Yep. You know? So, like, yep. those popular YouTube music channels, back then it was the blogs. Yep. If you didn't get on the blogs, you weren't anything. 
So it was just like, uh, it was, yeah, it was way different. And you were focused on like, you were gaining fans from trying to tour and trying to be physically in front of people. And now it's like, you could stay at your house all day and you could just make songs and be huge. Yeah. You know, where back then it was like, I was always on the road. How do I get in front of new people? How yeah. can I touch new people? And then how can I get people to buy my album? Yeah. And, and physically buy it too. Like okay. I was in the streets slanging CDs, you know? Like, yeah. so it, it definitely is way different now than it was then. Okay. Know? So looking back though on that time frame of like you're selling albums, like, I'm, it was just a completely different grind than a new artist coming up today, right? Yeah, yeah. So like, if you were, just for the sake of maybe a young artist is listening today, if you were to give an artist like a blueprint of like, hey, it's 2019 going on to 2020, like what should an artist do at the beginning of their career? Um, first of all, know who you are and know what you want to be. Um, so just knowing your brand, who do you appeal to? Because that's, that's the most important thing. Who do you appeal to? And then now how do you get in front of them? You know, so it's like if you're, let's just say you're a stoner, all right? Your lane yeah. is you smoke hella weed, okay? And, and you dress well, Yep. all right? So you need to be always dressed well. You need to be rapping about smoking. You need to be yep. in those scenes. And then you need to start collaborating with those artists that are more known in that scene. I think that, like, I take every song like it's, its own it's its own thing every song is its own entity and it needs to get to the right people yep. so the only way to do that is collaboration with people in those lanes you know okay. whether it's an influencer who smokes hella weed yeah whether it's a another artist that does whatever your appeal is you need to appeal to those people and you need to brand it very well from the jump and you just need to be consistent quality stuff quality music quality photos quality videos quality clothing yep. everything quality from start to finish within your brand and within your lane and that's what's going to and tell your story yep. and that's what's going to draw people in that makes sense when you when you say brand cuz you've now you've built brands and you've had this brand for for years now that's yeah. been very successful yeah what's your definition of a good brand or brands that you follow or like artists that you would yeah. say have done this the best in your in your eyes a good brand is like that same thing a good brand appeals to a certain demographic very well and it tells a story you know yep. it gives it gives somebody something to feel attached to that makes them feel cool and that they relate to you know so yep. like you're wearing young and reckless like <laughs> like, the drama. like rob was preaching that the drama he's like bro yeah. you're supposed to be young and reckless you better jump <laughs> off this building if you're really young and reckless, yeah, like yeah. you gotta live your brand, you 100%. know. So that's I think you know you you find that story and you relate with it, whatever it is. Like if it's a skateboard brand, like whoever has that skateboard brand better know how to skate, yeah. Or get a bunch of skaters that know how to skate to wear it, yeah. You know, so it's like every single thing just has to make you feel cool. It has to make you feel like it's part of it of of that, and you have to relate with it, and it has to tell a story. Yep. And it has to be consistent. <laughs> That makes sense. Yeah. So when you when you look at um, the landscape of social media, a lot of big brands are on there today, whether it's Young and Reckless and how they're still continuing to capitalize with influencers and yeah. brands like Fashion Nova or yeah. Evolve, like all these big brands that are like capitalizing on this social media currency. Yeah. Well, how do, how do you think social media changed you as an artist, like in terms of the transition from slinging CDs physical to then everything going digital, streaming being the number one thing to focus on, social yeah. media to, to build an audience. Like, what was that transition like for you? Um, 
it's it's hard. Like when you've built something up so big and then like you have to completely switch it and morph it, it's tough, you know. But having social media was was the catalyst, like really bl- blowing up, if mm-hmm. you, if you want to say. Um, I blew up on Facebook off of a nerd rap, dressing up like yep. a nerd, and also utilizing Big Dogs TV, um, who was a popular YouTuber. The the video went on his channel, yep. on his YouTube channel, and then um, through social media, it was just like on Facebook, it was just getting millions and millions and millions and millions of views. So if Facebook didn't exist, yeah, I wouldn't be who I am because it's when you're selling CDs in the streets, you can only touch say a thousand people in a day yep. when you go viral on the internet you can touch <laughs> millions and millions and millions of people in a second yeah you know so it's like it's just it changed social media changed the game yeah. and then you're able to tell your story and build your brand consistently like yep. all the things i'm talking about through your social media where did the nerd rap idea come from um dawes did big dawes tv uh is a popular youtuber we do a lot of work together um he did a nerd rap first but he can't really rap like that. Okay. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. He did like a nerd freestyle and it popped. It had like okay. hella views. So I'm just like, and he lived here. So, mm-hmm. you know, we just had the natural, like he was listening to my music, whatever. Yeah. We just had the natural, we're both from Arizona, let's work type mentality. And, um, you know, so we did a nerd rap as me and it just, the rest was it really worked. history. It just, it, killed, it changed my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, changed my life. When you, when you say that, because this is like super interesting to me, if like everyone... If you're getting started in your career, like everyone's waiting for like that moment, right? Like right. maybe it's that pivoting point where you have a video go viral, or you sign that deal, or you, you know, have this event or have this person on the show, yeah. whatever it is. Like yeah. that, that was a moment for you. Yeah. In that moment, like, what was the game plan? Meaning, boom, you're getting all this attention. You, you, you're having all this new like viewers and listeners. Like, yeah. You in that moment when that's happening, like, what was your blueprint moving forward meaning just to, 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 to take a moment and then leverage it and capitalize on it like yeah. some people it happens to them then they can't they capitalize, can't capitalize yeah. exactly and that's important no, so we like, capitalize on your... it like crazy okay. i mean the good thing for me was i already had so much music out that people just binge watched everything like all yeah. my literally no exaggeration all my videos were going up hundreds of thousands of views <laughs> every day like all of them and then my album, my old albums were climbing up the charts on iTunes. Like yep. it was just, it was crazy. And I was on tour at the time. So I'm on tour and like my shows were like 80 people to 100. A week later, 300 people are coming. Yeah. 350, 400. And it just like built up into this thing and I'm just seeing it all. So I'm sitting in my hotel room like, okay, first of all, we got to do this again. Second yep. of all, we got to work with more YouTubers. Third of all, I need to drop my album now. Yeah. So like I literally hit my engineer and was like, mix all these songs the best you can, send them to me tonight. Uploaded the album in my hotel room while I'm on tour uh, for pre-order. Then I put out another music video with it so people could pre-order and and know about it. Started doing that. And then I waited till the album came out. And then the next day, I dropped another nerd rap. And it blew up again. And then my album was number two on iTunes for like a long time and just like yeah. it didn't budge like people came and went and mine was just there and then I just started focusing on going viral over and over yeah. again and working with influencers over and over again yeah and it just like just kept going that's insane yeah so so with Big Doss I know that um, you guys do a lot together now but how do you guys connect because that just like that's super important of like that yeah. collaboration that that relationship I always talk about on the podcast right it's like I, I spent a lot of time the last three years networking and meeting those people because mm-hmm whoever you have in your universe can lead to that moment, right? Yeah, definitely. So how did you guys originally meet? Um, 
I was just on Facebook and he went viral from doing eating junk food at the gym. Okay. It was a super funny video. He's working out, eating donuts and drinking chocolate syrup. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, I was like, this looks like my gym. Like this looks like where I go play basketball. Okay. At. So I'm like, let me see who this dude is. I look him up, um, and I noticed he was, he was, uh, he wasn't that popping on Twitter. So I was like, let me tweet him because he'll see that one. Yeah. And I hit him like, you're at my gym eating junk food. What's up? I live in Arizona. He hit me back and was just like, bro, I listen to your music all the time. Didn't know you're from here. Just mo- he just had, he had just okay. moved here, and uh, we went and got some food. We shot one prank called "Awkwardly Staring at Strangers," and did that first. And even that, like that, boosted one of my songs. Okay. And it, I didn't I didn't even rap. Yeah. You know, so I was like, oh, this is crazy. You know, and that's then that's tight. when we were like, okay, let's do the yeah. nerd thing, and uh, it happened pretty fast. No, that's ins- it's that's super cool to me because like. There's so much noise out there, but it's like that one message, that one tweet, like you never know what can happen from a simple outreach. And that's yeah. what I always like to preach to younger people that are trying to connect with people or trying to prepare for that moment. It's like you put yourself in that position to yeah. meet the right person, to have the right vehicle, to have the right video go viral. Yeah. Right. So it's like understanding that as like a step by step game plan, like that's something you just did. And I, I wanted to kind of dissect that because it's super important, I believe, for yeah. a young artist who's like trying to do everything independently, but it's like, okay, you need maybe that person to collaborate with or yeah. that person that you can do nah, a video I, with to like help I you in certain ways. I think collaboration in general is the most important thing for an independent artist, right? Because you can always get in front of new people by collaborating. And a lot of times you don't have a lot of money. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't have no money to do any of this. Like, yeah. I, I didn't have money like that. Like, I didn't have a job. Yeah. I was doing this full time. Or then I would I would work for three months, save up, and quit my job, and then yeah. put it all into music. But the reason why I was able to get quality music videos was collaboration. I collabed with Jake. He shot my videos. We put them on his channel so he could grow his channel, and that yep. was his payoff for the music videos in the beginning. And then my producer, we split the percentages on the song, so I never had to pay him. Then with Dawes, it was like, this is mutually been beneficial for both of you you get it on your channel and then I get the song and it's just like so if I wouldn't have collabed with all those people then I wouldn't have even had I wouldn't have been able to do any of this yeah you know because I didn't have money to pay any of them for sure so it's all about collabing and always about getting on new platforms so new people see yeah it's like being resourceful right yeah it's it's utilizing that as a philosophy so that's dope though so when was when was the first tour I know we talked about that the other day the first my first tour was probably, it was like 2011, yeah. Okay. 2011 was, my, I think, my first tour, yeah. As an artist, like, back 2011, what's the, when's the right time to go on tour in 2011? Like, what was your, like, okay, it I'm going to set up this tour. It was not the right time for me. I'll tell you that right now. I, I definitely lost, I lost money on, like, my first three, four tours. Okay. Yeah. What was, like, learning experience from that? Um... I came back, I sold everything that I owned, sold all okay. my shoes, sold all my jerseys, sold my Xbox, and you know went back to work and made new music. Um, for me, like I said back then, I felt like that was how I could get on, mm-hmm. and it partially worked. So what I would do is I would rent out a venue in another state, I would book an artist that lived there that was yep. popping, and then I would open up for them. Okay. And that's how I did my tour. And then I promised okay. them that I would bring them to Arizona and do the exact same thing. Y'all could open up for me. And yep. I'll headline. So I did that in nine cities. And I used to do local showcases here called Prove It, okay. where people would perform or whatever. So basically, I just turned one of my Prove It's into a Prove It out of state. Okay. And I just brought in all nine of the states I went and performed in. I just brought all nine of those acts here and did a Prove It with all of them. That's cool. So that's how I booked my first tour. And I just had to either rent the venue or do a door deal with the venue. Yep. Meaning like, 
it, you know, I get half the, the money from the door, you get half the money from the door, the yep. venue. And um, that's how I did it. I printed way too much merch. So okay. I lost money on, on merch because I, I was like, let's see if 100 people come to every show and I sell to like 80 of them. Yeah, and yeah. it's like no. If you if you hundred <laughs> people come to your show, if ten of them buy it, yeah, you know you're yeah, doing ten percent exactly. Yeah. So like I just misjudged everything. Okay. So I lost like three four grand. Yeah. And at that time, three four grand to me was like, what do I do? Oh yeah, no, I'm screwed. Yeah, you know, like for sure. So it was just uh yeah. That's cool. So Learned now, and we were talking the other day too. So you've last five years you've been doing tours every year. Yeah. And performing in front of thousands of people. And yeah. it's obviously the tables have turned in your favor, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, I sort of want to jump to more now currently. Just mm-hmm. now, now when you look at touring and what you've been doing these last couple of years on tour, what's the energy like? You know, as an artist, I always like to, you know, one of my, I would say, everyone has dreams, right? To be an artist, to perform in front of people, your song, everyone's jumping to it. Like, I'm sure mm-hmm. just the energy is insane. Like, how do you describe that moment on stage? It's with a drug. Thousands of people just vibing with you. Yeah, it's it's a drug. The adrenaline you get from tour is like, it's it's. There's nothing like it. You know, yeah. if you really love to perform and you and yes, it's like the payoff. Like you can see people comment on your stuff on the internet and it's great, but when you physically see them at a show, saying your words, jumping, turning up, having the time of their life, like it's real. Yeah, you know, it's real. So that adrenaline you get from that, like nothing beats it. It's, yeah. it's a high. It's a high better than <laughs> better than any drug. Like, yeah, you know? that's so cool. When, when was do you have any moments like before performing or ritual that you do to before you take on the stage or what's like your in terms of like your rituals before you make a song or yeah. before you go on tour before you go on stage do you have any of those little things that you would say you've noticed throughout your journey um i'm an overthinker so like i just i'm very logical and very like analytic and just overthink so at my in my shows i drink to like not calm my nerves but just to okay. be more loose so i'm not overthinking anything yeah um you know have a couple drinks before i go on stage as far as recording i don't really have a ritual like okay. i just jump in the booth yeah and do it. i've been doing it for so long yeah, it's like yeah. second nature and even performing now is like autopilot okay like just it just goes down. So. Were, you, were you ever, like, growing up, were you ever, were you the shy kid or were you enthusiastic, energy-driven 24-7? Like, what was... No, nah, I was I was always very, very energetic. Yeah, okay. Very, I played every sport. Okay. Um, obviously did music. So, like, I was always just doing stuff. I'm like, I'm like, I guess I'm a little bit of both. Like, I'm not that person who will just go up to any person and start talking to them. Yep. Um, But I'm also not, like, scared or, like, shy or timid, you know? Yeah, that makes but, sense. Yeah. So... Moving into, because it's about to be, I like this question, the end of the decade, right? We're moving into 2020. The beginning of this decade, music-wise, is a lot different than this next decade coming up with streaming and social. Yeah, yeah. Moving into 2020, like, how... How does an artist look at the current scene now in terms of like where are you spending your time, where are you spending your focus and energy as someone that's built this platform, that's built this career, yeah. moving into this new the decade of streaming and social and yeah. everything that's happening now? Like, How are you looking at it and preparing for this next... For, for, for me the, or how should somebody else do it? For someone else, I would say right now. Um, I think once again, it just goes back to what you do and, and like who you are. So like... I've noticed there's, there's okay, there's all these different things. There's there's touring, right? There's You have your touring income. You have your streaming income. You have your mm-hmm. YouTube income. You have your actual sales income. You have merchandise. You have, you basically, if you're an artist, you should, you have like seven businesses, yeah. you know, basically. And everybody's different. So like, there's this cat named Fora who 
kills merchandise. Like, kills. Like, we'll yep. sell a million dollars on Black Friday. Yeah. That makes more than his music. You know yep. what I'm saying? Yep. So, like, does he, he puts his focus on, obviously on music, but, like, a lot of focus on merch. I know cats that don't do a lot of streams, but go on tour and murder it. Like, yeah. uh, my homie Watsky, he probably has, like, 600,000 monthly listeners, but he can sell out 2,500 cat venues. Yeah. So his focus should be, I'm going to do a big tour. Then there's cats that stream really well, but can't sell a ticket to save their lives. Yeah. So your focus is stay in your studio and make music, you yeah. know? So it really just depends. And then I have I have friends that are you, they're YouTube rappers, I guess you could say, yeah. that, like, they do reaction videos, and they yep. do type raps videos and they do reviews and whatever and then they put out music and then it does well because their channel is built up yep. and then they make a killing on that. So it really just depends on who you are, what you're good at and what you want your lane to be on what you focus on. That makes sense. You know? Man, that was, you broke that down. Yeah, you know? <laughs> there's like, so many verticals to it. There, there really is and, and with each artist it's, it's different. Obviously you have to do all those things but people always say focus on your you know, focus on your weaknesses and build those up. But why? Focus on yeah. your strength. If you're murdering this, keep murdering that. Yeah. Like if you're killing your streams, get more and get yeah. more and get more. Like that's naturally going to build up your other platforms, hopefully. But yeah. like keep killing that. Yeah. If you're killing on merch, don't stop. Don't slow down to try to do some other shit. Yeah. Keep killing your merch, you know. So just find out where you're good at, what's bringing in the income and what you love and go after that. Yep. Speaking of merch, I know um, so you, your brand's in Zoomies. Yeah. And where did where did this brand start from? And for the people that may not know, give them a sense of what it is, why you started it, and just yeah. where the idea originated from. Um, I think it just came with the branding. Um, like as an artist, you make merchandise, and it's like, oh, cool, my face is on my shirt, or yeah. like you know, it's you know, WTF, my you know, WTF gang, it's on my shirt, and it's real simple. You uh -huh. you print it up, it's cheap. Sell it at shows for cheap. Cool. But a brand is something totally different. A brand is like, I was like, what would I wear? Like, what do I like to wear? And yeah. let's make that, you know, let's tell my story. Let's yep. let's let's wear what, what I want to wear. So I just went to work on kind of with my partner, Ryan, um, went to work on creating something that I enjoyed wearing and, you know, wanted to. And, uh, and I, had a, I had a partner, Wozy, at the time, too. Okay. And we were just designing things that we wanted to wear. You know, so even if we saw something we'd take inspiration from, it's like instead of buying this shirt, take a picture of it, use it as inspiration, yeah. and now make that, but doper. Yeah. You know, and cater it to you. And um, it's just a brand, it's different than merch. Okay. Um, yeah, and, and and people buy into it and they want to dress. People already want to dress how you dress if you're a rapper. Yeah. If you go to an MGK show, you see a thousand kids that look like MGK. You yeah. go to G-Eazy, yeah. you know what I'm saying? It's like yep. these kids clearly listen to G-Eazy. They have leather jackets and their hair is slicked back. Yep. You know, so it's like make that your brand and sell it. Yep. You know, so... That's that kind of where it came from. So with like a like a distribution deal with like Zoomies mm -hmm. in terms of like and me and Drama were talking about this too because they do a lot of stuff like Young and Reckless and Paxton, right? But yeah. a lot of whether like their focus is obviously e-commerce, but from a branding play, like having it in retail stores all over the country is great for them, right? Yeah. So what what is what would you say has been for you guys in terms of like being in Zoomies, like in terms of the branding, the aesthetic, the location, like it's super dope for the brand. Yeah. And just more so how do you how do you look at retail versus e-commerce um, nowadays with being in both lanes? Yeah, I think it just goes back to your customer again, you know, and on and on what uh you know where you make your the most of your money at. Um, mm -hmm. Some people kill on retail and never sell anything online, and some people kill online and never go to retail. Yeah. Um, but for us, it was like 
we've sold a little more online than, than retail, but it was it was almost half and half, you yeah. know? So when you can get in 75 stores, I think our first order was 75 stores and our second order was 115 stores. Wow. Um, but yeah, when you can get in all those stores, it's just like, and it's a dope look. It's yeah, just, 100%. everybody wants, if you follow a brand or you follow an artist, you always want to see them going up. So yep. when you start making those moves and you're like, I'm in Zoomies. Like, yeah. That's a household name. Everybody knows what 100%. Zoomies is. So it's just a really cool look. And then uh, obviously, yeah, you're in front of more people. Yeah. And people that might not be fans of you, but just like the clothes, yeah. which is really, really, really dope. Do you remember seeing it in Zoomies the first time? Yeah. No, well, yeah, seeing it in Zoomies was really dope. But I think was what was doper was I was in L.A. on Fairfax and this dude was shopping. And it was right after we got in Zoomies and he was wearing the shirt. Okay. And I was like... <laughs> I went up to him thinking like he was probably a fan and be like, oh, nice shirt, bro. And he looked at me like I was a weirdo. Okay. So he had no idea who I was, but he bought the shirt because it was that dope to him. Interesting. So like that was the coolest thing that, you know, the yeah, coolest he, thing. Yeah, he bought the brand me. for the brand and exactly. he found out the extension of the brand is someone like you. And it's like there's two yeah. different lanes to it now, yeah. which well, is cool. Well, he probably never even found out it was me. Oh, okay. I was just like, when he looked at me like that, like I was a weirdo, I was like, Dope. He has no idea who I am. Yeah. And he bought that shirt. That is cool. So that was like the dopest moment as far as that goes. Okay. Super cool. Yeah. So speaking of Fairfax, you you spent a lot of time in LA, right? You're in Arizona now, but you told me you lived in LA for like three years. Yeah, yeah. What was that experience like? What why did you go to LA? Um went to LA and lived with Jake. Jake moved out there first, my videographer, and it was just really to level up. Mm -hmm. Um it was just like every time I went there, I just got this feeling of like, damn, there's a lot of shit going uh, I on. Feel you, bro. I need to be in this, <laughs> you know? So every time I went, it was like, boom, I did this, I did this, I'll do a bunch of shit in like three, four days. Yep. I'm like, man, if I lived here, I can't imagine what would happen. And then after I, you know, started doing the viral stuff, it was like, I have to be in this all the time. I yep. have to be, I guess I already lived in LA when I started doing the more viral stuff. Um, but yeah, I just was like, I have to be around all these people that, can push the envelope yeah you know? what would you say like if a young artist is let's say wanting to move to LA is there a right moment or do you what do you recommend to someone because even someone like myself right I, I, my plans to move to LA I go out there the four days I'm out there love it crush yeah. it a lot of stuff's happening in Arizona bounce back and forth and yeah my plan is to pull the trigger sometime in the July to get a spot out there, right? Yeah. But what do you tell to an artist who's looking to go out there? Like, do you recommend, hey, like, build up your network first, have connections out there? Like, how do you, what information would you give to someone who's looking to make that jump to move yeah. out to LA? Because it's crazy out there, right? Yeah. As an artist, it's it's tough because if you're going to LA, you're probably the big fish in the small pond wherever you live at. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, you're, like, for me, Arizona, I felt like I had almost hit a ceiling and I needed to, to get to something else. Yep. And you're used to, like, out here getting treated like, oh, you're the shit. Then you move to L.A. <laughs> and you're bottom of the barrel. You know what I'm saying? You're bottom of the barrel. Everybody is doing other things. And so what I found was just that as much as people say they want to work with you, when you get there... If there's a better opportunity for them to do something else, that's where they're going. Yeah. You know, so it was like I would make all these plans to chill with people and do stuff with people and they would always fall through because something cooler came up in yeah. LA. Which in LA, any given night, there's 20 dope events going on. Yeah. So it was hard at first. It was hard to like get in the room with the right people and do the right thing until the nerd rap popped off. Okay. And then it was like everybody wanted to chill. <laughs> yeah. Everybody wanted to kick it. So like... It's a weird dynamic, and it, it makes you feel kind of weird because you feel like, oh, man, this shit's fake. But, I mean, it's kind of part of the industry. Like, you, you're you going to deal with some fake people, and you're going to find some real people. And um, 
that's just how it goes. So if, if I was to tell you when to move to LA, it's kind of even just like signing that deal. Like move to LA when you have leverage. When yeah. like when you go there and you say who you are and people are impressed by it and they want to work with you. Yeah. Um, other than that, you're gonna drain your pockets real fast. Yeah. Trying to survive in such a huge scene yeah you know 100%. it's yeah it's and i mean i've heard stories of, of people being homeless like yeah, literally yeah. being homeless in la and just knocking on doors and and going to events sneaking in here doing yeah. this doing that and then they meet the right person you yeah. know so it can happen but for me it was like i moved there with twenty thousand dollars in my pocket yep. um that's all i had and then i mean it's a good amount of money but like i was getting drained i was down to having like eight grand or so in my account maybe less yep. and then when the nerd rap came out it changed all that so it's like it can drain you yeah yeah that makes sense man so so arizona now mm-hmm. why do you decide to stay in arizona um i think it just goes back to the happiness um you know i have more family here i have more friends here i have uh more business here yep. and then also to help the scene like I, I like being here and i've worked with a lot of artists from here and eventually i would like it to where you don't have if you live in arizona you don't have to go to la okay like let's be Creating able to that ecosystem yeah create something here and 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 grow something here to where there's a bunch of successful people here to where yeah you you can go to la but you don't have to and arizona's yep. so dope that like people actually do enjoy being here 100%. like people from la love being in arizona yep. people from the Midwest and the East Coast, every time they come here, they're like, bro, I had no idea it was this dope. Yeah. So it's like, it's a dope place. Let's make it now a dope community of of music. Yeah. Because there's a lot of dope musicians here. They just don't know how to do it. And they yeah. don't have the resources yet. Yep. So. And speaking of that, too, I know that's that's one of your goals, to help artists without yeah. resources with what you're building. You want to touch on that right now? Uh, Yeah, yeah. Um. I'm starting something next year that's gonna be pretty big. Um, it's gonna be it's with Big Dogs TV. You know, using the viral content to help push artists. Um, you know, forming short-term deals with people that are very beneficial for them. And it's not like where you sign to a label and it's five years. It's like let's do three songs together. Let's do yeah. one song together. Let's do one album together. So it's like we mutually benefit from the experience. And either we just keep re-signing, or if you want to go do your own thing, you can. Um, but yeah, so I love just, that concept. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've been. It's kind of like that's like cha- you know it's changing and it's adapting. You know, yep. people don't want to be locked down because we're all so we're all so over the place with everything yeah. that we see. Like we don't know what we're gonna. I don't know what my life's gonna be in five years. You don't know yeah. how big you're gonna be in five years or what the hell you're gonna do. So yeah. like when it's talking about let's do three songs together over three months, that's not scary. Yep. But when a label's like, yo, I want to lock you down for three albums over a five year deal, you're like. From 19 to 24, you're a whole different human being. Yeah. You know, so it's like, I just want to help people in the in the short term. And if you rock with me and we rock with you, let's keep building and keep doing it, you know? Yeah. And I'll prove myself to you. You prove yourself to me. If I fail you, by all means, you yep. can go do something else. If you outgrow me, by all means, go do something else. No, no, you know? no, that's so tight. It's super cool for yeah, sure. Yeah. So with, um, with just everything that you've built up to this moment, do you have any mentors that you would say that you've, talked to and got advice from in your life that you've consistently had throughout your journey or what would you say not really to be honest I I feel like I always just figured it out like whatever it was I feel like I figured I would just have to figure it out I literally have to sit myself down calm myself down and logically just think of every scenario and every situation and how it's supposed to work I'd say my biggest mentor was probably my pops but I okay. feel like he gave me so much knowledge from like a baby to the time I was like seven or eight. And like 
it just was things that like I took and just ran with, you know, from the yeah. value of a dollar to like consequences for action, my actions and and all that. Like I just feel like so many positive things were instilled in me when I was young. And then when my parents split, it was kind of just like, okay, Zach, figure everything out. Like, yeah. get your brother to school, get yourself up, get yourself to class, get yourself to practice, pick your brother up, yeah. make him dinner, um, you know, and then my mom needed money from time to time and it was like, oh, okay, I, I have money, she don't know how I have it, but you know, here's the money, yeah. okay, how can I do things that I want to do, now I got to make my own, it was just like, I just figured yeah. it out the whole yeah. way, um, so, so tight. I've never really had anybody that's like, do this. I just pick up little game here and yeah. there from different people in different fields. That's you know? what's up. That's super cool. And I wanted to bring out for people watching this video, the studio we're in right now. It has the colors on the wall. We got yeah. the turf and the Jordan box. I wanted to bring up this because yeah. it's it's a very creative element that you've created for yourself. Yeah. And so for the people that are watching the video on YouTube, how did this idea come about? To why is the colors and the turf like? Where did the inspiration for the studio come from? Um, this whole house, the the sheesh house, is just um, it's your imagination. Like you, like your imagination can go wild throughout this whole house and yeah. everything is nostalgic like you walk the halls of this house and everything is like from the 90s that's all the stuff that we grew up on yep. or that I grew up on you know like, <laughs> you know it's all the things like it's it's all the cartoons that I watched it's it just makes you feel like a kid and like when you're a kid you're not you're not really scared you you're honest yep. your your imagination runs wild so like when you come to this house I want you to feel like that and that just should open up your creativity yeah. and you can make anything you want to make and not be scared to do it oh, i love it because it's like the records on the wall and uh, yeah. the, the murals in the back it's just a, it's a creative element and i'm going to make sure that i go around and we get some videos so that yeah, i can yeah. post it on instagram and the stories sure. so people can really see it because i think it's it's an element that unless you see it and feel it you might you know you might be like oh you know it's just a studio but it, you can feel it and yeah. if you see in the video you can kind of get a glimpse of it it's like it's a creative element that you've created for yourself which Definitely. is dope oh yeah thank you nowadays who is someone, and I, we, we talked about this too, who is the dream person you want to collaborate with in your career? Um, I would say like the perfect song. We talked yeah, about yeah, that. Like yeah. the perfect song for me is like me on the first verse, um, John Bellion on the hook, Andre 3000, and then Childish Gambino. Like, okay. That would be a really, really dope song. Okay. But there's so many artists <laughs> I want to work with. So okay. many. But like that's always the one when people ask me that question, like I go to that. Andre 3000 is like so rare. Yep. Gambino's pretty rare and he's my favorite artist. So it's just like that. And then John Bellion is just so, his production and the way he puts melodies together and stuff like that is just crazy. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I feel like that'd be the most interesting song I could possibly make. Okay, when, when we're watching this in like twenty twenty eight, and it happened, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> it's here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no just to, I, I have a couple more questions, man. So just when it comes to like one of my favorite songs with Dizzy Wright that you have, right? Yeah. How did the collaborations like that come about? When you yeah. think about the little collaborations of some of the songs that are super big in your in terms of your career. Where do those collaborations happen? Why do they happen? Why do you work with those people? Someone like Dizzy Wright? Yeah. How did it go? <laughs> um, so when I discovered independent music, the first two artists I discovered independently was like on the blogs and stuff. It was Well, three. I discovered Mike Studd, Machine Gun Kelly, and Hobson. Those were the three first okay. artists that I was like, oh, they're not signed to a label. Oh, like they're not making commercial music. It's like this other shit. Yeah. Like, it opened up my, my whole everything to independent so like hobson was the one i related with the most i'm like this is like what i do yeah and so i'm like how do i get in touch with this dude and it all happened so fast so damian ritter was managing hobson 
they had just signed Dizzy Wright and they signed Jaron Benton. Turns out they were coming to my town to perform like in a month. So I ended up getting on that show. I hit the promoter. They put me on the show. Okay. Um, I emailed Dame and I was like, I want to do a song with Hobson. And he was like, and I was like, I want to shoot a, vi- a video in Arizona. Here's our videos. And he was just like, Hobson doesn't do features. Like, oh, and I was like, okay. okay. And he's like, I'll do this for you. I'll give you one with Dizzy Wright. And I was like, okay, cool. So me and Dizzy did another song called Don't Mind If I Do uh, that came before I Guess I'll Smoke. Okay. Jaron had just signed. So he got on the song for free and they put it on their YouTube channel. So I was like, oh, this is money. Let's okay. go. So that happened. From that relationship, I started gaining more fans. And then they asked me to go on Dizzy's tour. So I did a leg of Dizzy's tour. And every night, he's smoking hella weed. And I never, I, I didn't smoke like that. Okay. So every night, he's like, come on, man. Just smoke with me, fam. <laughs> like, come on. And it, so every night, I'm like, nah, nah. Then one night, I was like, I guess I'll smoke. And it just turned into okay. like, so it organically happened. Um, and my DJ was like, that's the song. Like you and him need to make a stoner song, and it's about like how you don't smoke. And so the crazy thing is like, yeah, I'm in all these big like weed communities, yeah, and I don't smoke like that. You know, like yeah. very rarely. I, I say it in the song. I say I only smoke. I'm gonna eat a sandwich, get some booty, and go to sleep. Yeah. And it's like that's that's how it happened. You know, so yeah. it was just organic. Okay. That's, and then and when when did, when did that song come out? 2014. 2014? That song made me be able to live off of my music sales. Really? Yeah. That one song? Like, yeah, that song. Like, I was making... So was that another pivotal moment for you? Yeah, and that was before Nerd Rap. Okay. So that was like, you know, it was like, I was I was making money off music because I was doing the Prove-Its, I was doing a bunch of features for people, um, but that was like, okay, now I'm getting enough money through my TuneCore account yeah. that where I don't have to work. Okay. Yeah. Speak, so TuneCore, because I know... Um, Russ has this one verse in talking about TuneCore and how he was making six hundred bucks and the next year was like a hundred thousand, right? Yeah. So as a young artist that's maybe wanted to make music, what is a TuneCore account? Yeah. So a TuneCore account or DistroKid, those are like the two big distribution sites. So you upload your music to those and it automatically puts it on Spotify, Pandora, Apple Music, iTunes, <clears throat> iTunes, anything else that you could possibly imagine. It's like. 150 different things that people listen to music on it puts you on all those um so yeah and then it it gives you monthly reports uh weekly reports on your sales and then yeah they give you basically one big check you know and then every month they give you a check and you transfer that to your bank account and that's how you get your money as a completely independent artist yeah and if, if you were just like simple math like if you have a million views or streams on, for, on your TuneCore account like what is the average payout of million streams or um, like if you had to Spotify streams is roughly point zero zero six. okay I think Apple is either, it's right around there too I think it might be a little higher okay um, but yeah so it, it takes a lot of streams yeah you know but that's why being consistent matters because if you have 50 songs out and they're all you know yeah. getting even a hundred thousand streams you know you do the math on that yeah. and now you're making some money yeah you know so don't give up if one song doesn't blow just keep putting songs out because the dopest thing is when you do blow then all those songs start streaming and all those songs make you mad same like what yeah. russ was saying it's the exact same thing like yeah. i was going from getting 800 in my TuneCore account to then when i guess i smoke dropped it was like oh now i'm getting five thousand a month yeah and then when nerd rap dropped it was like 60 bands yeah and then it just keeps growing and keeps growing and the more you add to that catalog the more people see you they find your old music and everything just builds yeah 
that's so tight. Yeah. So with 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 TuneCore and being independent, if if there's a young artist today, because I know you had that moment where it was like, okay, should I sign? Maybe you had opportunities or yeah. things on the table, yeah. or or you remain independent. And I'm sure that was a, a hard decision you had to make. Yeah. I'd love for you to give some thoughts into if you had that decision you had to make in your life and why you decided to stay independent. Um. Yeah, I always relate it back. Well, there was a lot of funny stuff that happened when I, uh, <laughs> when I, when I was about to sign. Um, I saw a lot of other artists that were signed that weren't happy. Um, a lot of other artists that were getting kind of did dirty by their label, mm-hmm. getting put on the shelf. Um, at that point in time, I had just done this song with a group that was super. They had a song that was twenty six times platinum, and like. They were asking me for advice. They were like, "How do we market this? How do we do this?" Yeah. And I'm, I'm just like, "How does this 26? That means they sold 26 million copies of their song, and they have they had a little apartment in New York." And I'm just thinking in my head, "This is crazy. If yeah. I sell 26 million copies, that means I have 26 million dollars." Yeah. <laughs> they sold 26 million copies and obviously didn't have that. So. Yeah. All these weird things were happening all at once with the label, and then like the label owner wasn't meeting up with me when he was supposed to. I was taking flights to New York, and he wasn't showing up. So I just felt like I wasn't going to be a priority on that label, and I didn't feel like they knew exactly what I could do and what lane I should be in um, with any of the labels that I talked yeah. to. So I just decided that for my own happiness, I was not going to sign, and I've just Got stuck. It. I've stuck with that. Like I won't even really entertain a label <laughs> situation unless it's like like the deals I'm trying to offer to artists which is like yeah. let try out let's try out one song let's try out an EP yeah. and like I wanted to do those things and they just they don't want that they wanted me for 5 years three albums you know and I'm just like yeah. I can't Im- that would mean I would just be getting out of my contract this year from what, and that was in 5 years ago yeah 5 years ago wow. was when I was 24 wow yeah that's, that's scary to me. Five years, like, yeah, locked bro. out. Imagine, <laughs> imagine, like, you try to plan for one year. Imagine how much stuff you do in a year. Yeah. Five years? Yeah, for sure. And then I, I saw artists that, like, I mean, Trinidad James is, is one of the homies. We actually had a, a show go on, uh, like, a, a internet show called Independent. Um, and he talks about it all the time. Like, just, he put he put out the song that blew up, but then his other stuff didn't do that as well. And... He basically got shelved, but he's in a five-year deal, and you have no control. Yeah. You can't do anything. You can't put anything out. You can't. You just can't do what you want to do, and that yeah. would make me miserable. Yeah. So that's the main reason why. That's crazy. That's yeah. crazy. And I, I want to bring up this. Um, so speaking of just being on a podcast, I know that we have a mutual relationship, our boy Drama. Yeah. And um, it's funny because when I saw that short story long, followed you on Instagram, and then we were talking how that was one of the first – Interviews on his show. I'd love yeah. just. I'd love you to give some reference to that because I do a lot of stuff with drama. Everyone listening, yeah. they know I do a yeah. lot of collaborations and events with drama and the whole Young and Reckless team. Yeah. So where does that relationship come from, you and drama? Because he's someone that's been on the show and yeah. we've done the events together. So just, just I'd love for you to go in depth on that. Yeah, I mean, drama was somebody obviously I watched on TV. You know, I feel like I watched dude grow up on Rob show, and yeah. then um, it was I, I forget how it initially happened. I think through Jake actually, through Jake's. Okay. Jake had somebody who was filming like a friend that was, you know, involved with Young and Reckless and he was like, "Yo, I'll, you know, I can get you some clothes, get you some clothes." So it just started off like Young and Reckless was just giving me clothes. Yep. And then it was like, "Oh, like you should actually meet Drama." And then just started chopping it up with him a little bit. I think we met like two or three times before he was like, "Yo, jump on the jump on the podcast." Yeah. And um yeah, that was like my first I think that was my first podcast I ever did. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, first podcast okay. I ever did. Short story long. Yep, yep. That's and, tight. Uh, 
yeah, just a cool cat. But like yeah. the fir- one of the first clothing lines, like big clothing lines to ever give me anything, and like okay. first podcast and like first big plug in L.A. That's so tight. Yeah, dude, I was the man. Yeah, he's super cool, <laughs> super chill. Okay, so you super used to cool. watch them on MTV. Yeah, of course. Okay, of course. When like, you coming up on MTV, like as an outlet in which that was for music mm-hmm. compared to like how it isn't at all nowadays to yeah. have like the MTV stuff. Yeah. Was MTV a inspiration to you growing up or yeah, what was that? Yeah, hell yeah. Yeah, MTV was like the goal is MTV and BET and they always yeah. had their countdowns of like like that was the dream. Like being 6 years old, 10 years old, yeah. like the dream was like we're going to have the number one video on, you know, the the countdown show, yeah. the, the TRLs and the 106 and Parks like that was what we wanted. Yeah. So yeah, MTV was, and then you know when you see those performances and you see all the celebrities in the crowd for like the MTV awards and all that is like, that's what we wanted. Like yeah. that was what like I remember watching it and then going downstairs in the basement and writing. Like that was okay. that was the moment where it all actually started was from that. Like from watching the MTV awards or it might have even been the VMAs or something like okay. that. But watching an award show and going down and being like, all right, we need to get on that award show. Okay. In writing, yeah. That's so sick. Yeah. <laughs> so really just. I have one more question, man. Just to uh, moving into 2020, what is some new music, new things coming up that the people, the fans should expect coming soon? What should they expect? Uh, anything? A lot, yeah, a, a lot. lot. Um, expect me to be. I'm gonna be everywhere. Like, uh, as far as this independent music landscape, like I yeah. really want to be somebody who's helping all these cats get to the next level, and as well as getting myself to the next level. Um, I think that I kind of took these last couple years to just make the music that I wanted to make. I haven't like gone really hard on my promo. Like when I tell you like the albums where I was like, oh, I got to do viral. I got to do this. I yeah. got to collab with this person. Like I really have focused on my happiness the last two years and building my life, you know, yep. like moving back to Arizona and getting my life together. And it's been the most amazing thing ever. And now like I'm super just good and and. and I have a ton of songs, and you'll probably see multiple albums from me this year. <laughs> okay. You'll see hella collaborations from me this year, um, and you'll see things done in a way that have never been done by anybody else in the world ever. Real shit. Oh, I appreciate it, man. So, sure. real, real question, just to wrap it up, just if you were to tell your 18, 19 year old self a piece of advice stepping into this game from the journey you've been on now, what advice would that be? Be yourself, and never give up and don't lose your happiness on the pursuit for more shout out my guy mike stud for that quote but like that that's always stuck with me i always tell people that um those things are they're the most important you know what i'm saying like all this is dope like doing what you do is dope doing what i do is dope but if you're not happy at the end of the day none of this shit matters yep you know what i'm saying so work hard as hell go after what you want but don't ever let it take away your happiness realize you're blessed realize that this life is is the most valuable thing you know your time is the most valuable thing so don't get so down on yourself and don't get depressed over trying to make your dream come true like work hard but realize you're blessed yeah i love it man well just to wrap it up everyone i just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show man where's the best place that everyone can follow you and stay up to date on everything uh yeah instagram facebook you know just type in futuristic spotify stream your boy um my instagram is only futuristic only futuristic.com yeah. And I'll make sure to link all that down below so that everyone listening and everyone watching can uh, go check that out. So, my man, Futuristic, thanks so much for coming on the show, Appreciate man. You. I'll oh, see yeah. y'all soon. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure you subscribe to the Rise Young podcast, and I will talk to you guys soon. Sheesh.